You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Thanks, Jesus. Just as a continuation of worship, uh, I know the lights are coming on, but it's not an indicator that we leave a moment just because the lights get turned on. Um, I felt like that there were people that are in the room or that and or are also watching um, that if somebody asked you, you would say that you you aren't enough. And I felt like um, that it was important for us to know that that's the that's a poverty mentality. Um, it's a poverty mindset because you think that you will never have enough. They also think that you're not enough. Uh, so I felt like that there was um, a revelation of, of your royal identity that was coming today to show you that you're actually more than enough because you're inside of the one that's more than enough. You're his uh, and you have everything you need. So we're just going to pray. I felt like that that revelation was just going to come um, and invade and break that. Uh, I felt like that the poverty mentality, there was just like this residue of it left. It's not what you live in all the time. It's just like this little bit that's kind of left over from from life and upbringing. And today was going to be the day that that stuff just goes. Uh, and the royal identity that we have as sons and daughters is really solidified so that we know uh, that, that it's not humility to act like I'm not enough when, I, when I'm in Jesus. Um, it's humility to know who I am as a son in Jesus. <clears throat> and, then, <clears throat> and then the world gets to benefit from that. So, Father, thank you right now just for the revelation of our royal identity coming in this moment and, and breaking off any poverty mindset that's left over. Thank you for the revelation of, of everybody that's watching, everybody that's listening, listening, everybody that's here, knowing that they're more than enough in you. That past experience is not an indicator of present kingdom realities in their life. And so we thank you, Father, for regardless of the experiences, that today people would know that they are more than enough in you, that they are all that they, they need to be in you, that they have all that they need in you. <laughs> yeah, Holy Spirit, thanks for what you're doing right now. Thank you that you're ministering just the truth about who we are. Thank you, Spirit of Adoption, for for reiterating through revelation every person's royal identity, every son, every daughter. Thank you for connecting the dots, bringing revelations together. Thank you for solidifying us in the truth about once we're adopted into the family of God, not ever going to be excommunicated. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry that if you got kicked out of a church or because you did something, I don't know if this makes sense to anybody. I'm sorry if you got ran out of somewhere that was supposed to love you and teach you who you are. I'm sorry on behalf of the church if that happened to you. If you felt like you had to leave because of behavior that you displayed, maybe even poor choices that you made. 
I want you to know that's not who Jesus is. That though you may have been ran out by man, you were never left by God. You may have been ran out by, by man, but you've, been, you've always been held in the embrace of the Father. You've always been in the family of God. You're not leaving the family of God. He's not throwing you out. He's not waiting for, there's not two strikes against you. He's not waiting for you to do something wrong. There's not another shoe that's going to drop. He really is that good. He really does look at you with love in his eyes and mercy on his mind. And he's not going to change his mind about you. He's literally not going to change his mind about you. He sees you through eyes of love. He's seen you that way since the foundation of the world. And he's always going to see you that way. You're a son. You're a daughter. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's not changing. Thank you, Father. <laughs> you can go kicking and screaming into the goodness, but you're going in there. <laughs> Just feel like you got to embrace the moment, right? So thank you, Jesus, for solidifying that. Yeah. No more poverty mentality. No more poverty mentality. It doesn't have anything to do with stuff. It doesn't have anything to do with, with natural things, what's in your bank account, what's not in there. <clears throat> it's everything to do with our royal identity, that when we have Jesus, we're the richest person on the planet. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you that you created us and therefore you complete us. In Jesus' name. Thanks, God. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> when the keys start playing, you just want to keep flowing. You're like, and then if I don't stop, though, she'll be back there. Can I go? <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you. Jesus is good. Ooh. What's your name? Sandra? You got pain. You deal with pain in your, in your back and in your hip. No, no pain? No physical pain? Either one of you? No? Okay. No physical pain in your body. Okay, I figured I'd just try. <laughs> just taking a risk. Thanks, Jesus. I just feel like the moment's not gone. You know what I mean? That you just like there's still it's still sinking in. It's just I know when we get we live in a, in a time sensitive culture where everything's on a schedule, and I'm not telling you schedules aren't good, but there are moments where you you just put everything aside, and God's agenda supersedes everything that we have and everything that we everything that we want to do, everything that we have to do. <clears throat> it's counter counter world's culture, but it is kingdom culture. So thank you, Father, for kingdom culture coming in this moment and just solidifying who we're created to be. And even as we were singing that song, it's when, when I open my mouth, miracles happen. I thank you that I'm in a room full of people that, when, that we're getting it, that when we open our mouth, miracles happen. Thank you, Father, for the miraculous, the miraculous in our, in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> I feel like we've got. I feel like we've got a, two choices when it comes to.
to Christianity. And uh, there may be more than two choices. I'm just trying to simplify it and categorize it in two different ways. Is that I just I accept Jesus into my life, and then I, I get to live uh, a good life that uh, is marked by uh, the things that I accomplish and the stuff that I acquire, uh, and in the way that things appear on the outside, and all that's good, and, and all that's important, and all of it has its place. <clears throat> or there's the the part where I surrender my life to Jesus, and I give it to Him. And when we were singing, you can have my heart, you know what that means? It means that when I hand, when I hand my heart over to you, I hand my will over to you. It, it means that <laughs> we weren't trying to trick you, you know what I mean? It was just, it's just it's good to know what you're getting into. I told, uh, I think I told Sam this uh, several weeks ago when she was leading, and um, it was the first time I ever thought about it, and I've said it here at least once, but it's worth saying again, is that when we're declaring things in worship, um, you know, worship leaders are writing songs now of declarations that, that people haven't, haven't been making that they're supposed to truth that we're supposed to be declaring over our lives, and so worship leaders are actually leading us in mind renewal. Yeah, we're, we're loving on Jesus and letting Him love on us, but, but there's, there's a purpose for repeating things in worship that's actually doing something that benefits us. Because the Father, <laughs> Papa, Father, both one word, Father, we make up a new word, right? <laughs> Somebody's getting to make up words all the time. I don't know why I'm not on that board. But I'm working. I'm going to find out who it is and see if they'll let me in. <laughs> but the Father paid a very high price for, for you and I to not just accept Jesus, but actually become everything that he dreamed we would be before the foundation of the world. And so the other, the other two categories, the other one be, would be me surrendering my will to the Father. And in that, I believe healthy family is, is kingdom, right? It's a... Uh, Blessing in, in the financial prosperity way is, is part of kingdom when, when it has the right perspective and the right purpose, right? And that's, you know, having food, having shelter, having clothes, all those things are he supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's, that's all kingdom. But also what comes with that is that I become completely whole in him. I realize that and therefore walk a life of, of the miraculous everywhere I go. That that's what we were made for. That, that American Christianity, I've been thinking about it this week as I get ready to go to Pakistan. I've been, I've been thinking that American Christianity doesn't work in most places. Right? I've thought about the reality of people's faces that I will stare through that quite possibly will give their life for the, for the gospel that they're getting, that's being shared with them and that they're being born again. It's not a great altar call. You see a bunch of, you know, it's not just about an altar call where people say yes to Jesus. It's about actually training, equipping them, and empowering them and preparing them for, for a lifestyle of the miraculous because in most places, miracles are, are, are what the only thing that really works, right? And with that, provision comes. The practical comes, right? The, the practical comes to supply the needs, to, to dig the wells, to supply the food. But what do you do when... What do you do when the food runs out and there's more people to feed? You're going to need to know that you can multiply that. I've got so many testimonies of modern day multiplications of food happening. It's ridiculous. Happened. I just got another letter yesterday. That ha where I'm, <laughs> my favorite one is the one about prime rib. 
You know, that's, I, I don't know about you, but I'm just like, when you're multiplying prime rib, I'm all, I'm all in. You know, I'm like, that's, that's just Jesus to me. For some of you, it, that's not Jesus. That's okay. But a whole lot of homeless people got fed prime rib that, that weren't supposed to because of the miraculous. And so does, it, does a lifestyle of, of miracles involve the practical? Yes, but the practical is not separate from the miraculous. The practical and the supernatural are actually all in one. And so last week, I talked to you about that it was time to press in for a greater manifestation of the kingdom on, on earth as it is in heaven. I, I believe now's the time for us. I'm not saying that we haven't, but I, I talked about what the, the gate or the access point of heaven coming into the natural was actually in our minds. That I'm the one that allows X amount of the supernatural into my everyday life. And I talked about it in Genesis 28 and John chapter 1 and Jacob's ladder and Jesus becoming what was a place actually became a person. And I want to say to you this week is that, and I ended with a, with a scripture in 1 Corinthians uh, 4.20, <clears throat> is that the kingdom is not a matter of mere talk, but it's actually a demonstration of power. Paul was talking to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians and letting them know that those people that are coming to you, that are giving you a different gospel, that actually isn't the same gospel, they're trying to, uh, he talked about it in Galatians 1 through 3, and they were trying to bring them back into law. Uh, there were several people out there who were trying to mix law with, with liberty. There is a law, but it's called the law of love. <laughs> and uh, it looks much different than the law that they were accustomed to. And so he's letting them know is that when I come to you, I will actually find out the power of those that are telling you this particular gospel and these things that they're teaching you. Uh, because in what he's, he's saying is that there's always a dim, when the gospel is preached, there must be demonstration. Otherwise, the gospel is not preached. Because it's not just a matter of mere talk. And for too long, I believe that we've separated, because there'll be camps of people that are, that are all about, we're getting people, you know, we're an evangelistic church, and we're getting people uh, born again. And, and that that miracle is somehow different from the miracle of somebody's body being healed or torment leaving them. And so we're like, this, we're about deliverance and, and we're about physical healing and, and we're about people getting saved, right? But actually, it was, never, it was actually never meant to be separate, right? It was actually never meant to be separate, because when salvation comes, salvation actually literally means the whole, the whole person. And so for hundreds of years, this truth has been fought for, that salvation comes through faith alone. Nobody in this room would disagree that salvation comes through faith alone, right? Do you know there was a time where that wasn't normal? Where people didn't believe that? where it took Martin Luther, where it took somebody to, to step up and actually fight for, for that truth, that salvation comes through faith alone. And because people were willing to pay the price and lay down their lives for that truth, now our normal Christianity in this country and many other nations is that salvation is through faith alone. And when we don't know how that truth became normal, we can discount the people's lives that were paid for that truth. 
So the question that I'm asking is, what's the truth that we're fighting for today to become normal in the church, right? And so one of them, I believe, is that God's a good father, that he's good, that, it's the, good, that the goodness of God, it's, he sent Jesus, that makes him good. That settles the deal for me. I don't look to anything else. He's shown me his goodness. He does, like we're singing, keep on getting better because I keep on getting a deeper revelation that he's good. But he, he settled it through Jesus to me. And so he's a good father. And, and we, we live, I, I talked to a, a dear friend this week, and she was talking about how we live from revelation to mystery, and we're actually not supposed to fill in the gap between the two. We live from revelation to mystery, and we're not supposed to explain even formulas that are working or things that haven't. That it's actually my privilege and my right to give up my understanding. <laughs> right? And so that's one of the truths that we're fighting for, but another is that, that miracles are a part of the normal Christian life. That they're not separate. That if the, that if the gospel comes through, through faith alone, then within the gospel contains the realm of the miraculous. The gospel in and of itself is, is miraculous. Jesus lived a sinless life. He came from heaven born through a virgin that did not have sex with a man, right? Pretty miraculous. <laughs> That's what they call it, immaculate conception. It's, it's miraculous. But it's so easy when we don't live in a culture that embraces the supernatural as some in, in some other nations where there's witch doctors and all kinds of other things that are normal, then we can, even though our culture embraces the new age and psychics and palm readers and all that stuff, right? That's, that's normal in our culture. But, but when we, we don't, we're not accustomed to it, we can begin to look at the gospel as just line upon line, precept upon precept, and forget the realm of the miraculous that the gospel contains in and of itself. Therefore, every person that gives their life to Jesus and surrenders, we are set up because it's inside of our DNA to live within the realm of the miraculous every day of our lives. And I continue to transform my mind until that becomes my normal. We owe, we owe the world a debt of love. Romans 13, 8 says, Owe no one anything except for a debt of love. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again, is that love and power were never meant to be separate in the kingdom. As some talk about, well, we'll just, we'll just have love, we'll love people well, and we're not going to mess with signs and wonders because they're messy and they're scary and we've seen them misused. I'll tell you that, that love looks like something, as, as we've heard, love looks like something, and, and contained within love is all the power that we need for the miraculous. When I separate the two, I do myself and the people that are around me a disservice. Because they were never meant to be separate. Love is, love is power, and I believe that demonstration of power is, is love. When I look at you and you need, you need a miracle in your life. Let's use an example. When I was in Brazil and that little boy that we've got the, the testimony back of him being uh, healed of autism. Doctor certified that he was autistic. Doctor certified that he was healed of autism. There was a, a moment that happened in, in this situation where... 
I didn't know what was happening in the spiritual realm. I would like to have told you that I saw this crazy vision and, you know, was like caught up in heaven and I saw this little boy hole and all this stuff. But really, it was just a response to a little boy that I felt love and compassion for and I released peace. And I said peace like five times because I didn't really know what else to pray because he was freaking out. Um, and just was very erratic in his behavior. He couldn't, he was uh, sensory deprivation, or uh, he was a, a real, very sensitive to touch and looking at people, so he wouldn't look you in the face. And so he's just facing his mom, just freaking out. And I just released peace over him. Again, not knowing what I'm doing, except for believing that because of love and compassion that something's going to happen. And in that moment, peace was released and which when peace is released, shalom's released. And because that, everything that was in disorder and chaos in that moment was brought into perfect divine order. Everything in his brain, everything that he'd been diagnosed with, all was brought back into perfect working order. And it changed that fast. Right? Love, love, love there he is, Caleb. Love did that, right? Love changed, love changed his, his life forever. It was, it was love that did that. And so love looks, like, love looks like miracles. And I'm just emphasizing for those that, because I, I realize I've had conversations with people that are a part of this family, and they've, they've watched things happen in places. They were like, miracles happened, power was displayed, but there was no love. I believe that we've laid a foundation of love for the last three years that if you've known us for very long, you realize why we do, why we're pressing into the more. There, there, has, to be, there has to be a greater demonstration of, of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. What's the, what's the kingdom look like when it comes? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Matthew 12, uh, Jesus heals, casts out a demon and heals a blind and a mute man. In, in Matthew 12, I believe it's a blind and a mute man. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, accuse him of casting out demons by the spirit of Beelzebub, by the ruler of the demons, right? I, I don't know. They must not have heard themselves say it. They must not have thought before they spoke uh, on how ridiculous they actually sounded when it happened, but they did it anyway, right? I've, I've, I'm in good company with those guys because I've said some ridiculous things, and <clears throat> And Jesus lets them know, hey, a kingdom divided against itself won't stand. Demons aren't casting out demons. He said, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He's letting us know that there's demonstration. When the kingdom comes, there's demonstration and miracles happen. Freedom takes place, right? Healing happens. It's supernatural. It's the practical and the supernatural merge together because when I love people, the debt of love that we owe to the world, remember Romans 13, 8, no one, owe no one anything except for a debt of love because love fulfills the law. When I love people, I will press in and say, I'm not walking. I will realize, I will celebrate where I am, and I will realize that I'm still not walking in miracles that happen 100% of the time. And because of that, it must mean, I, I draw this conclusion, not that I have to try harder, not that I need to beg more, all right? Or not even, even fasting for the wrong reason won't help you. It may help you lose weight, may help you get healthier, but fasting for the wrong reasons won't help either. Fasting for the right reasons will. 
But I come to the conclusion that it's not about me performing more. It's actually about me believing better. It's all about my beliefs. When I, when I believe right, it will release into the planet, right? I, I can't tell you how many times I've walked away from a miracle not happening and thought, what do I need to do to actually become more powerful in God, <laughs> right? I'm going to pray longer. I'm going to pray louder. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast. You know, you ever tried fasting when it... When, it wasn't God that wanted you to. My gosh, that's a miserable experience. <laughs> I did that a lot of times for religious reasons. And then I found out that fasting was actually supposed to bring me into what God was already doing, not trying to get God to do something that I wanted him to do that he wasn't really sure about. But he thought that if he saw his starving son starve long enough that he would pour out mercy and then I'd be able to see more miracles. You see how ridiculous that sounds now? <laughs> but that's what I thought for years. It's, it's just, it's, it's works mentality. It's, it's performing for the things of God. It's not realizing that, that every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, as it says in Ephesians 1, 3, have already been given to me. And my responsibility in my Christian life is to discover what I already have on the inside of me through an authentic relationship of intimacy with the Father. Me realizing who I am is actually going to cause me to walk in the miraculous at greater levels because every single person, regardless, regardless of what you feel passionate about doing, is called to walk a lifestyle of miracles. For far too long, it's been about, and, and this has drastically changed over the last 20 years, but for, for a long time, it was all about the one man or one woman that had all the power, and they demonstrated the miracles, and everybody else just watched in awe. Oh, I'm convinced that those people were actually, and I'll tell you that the first couple that I know of was Charles and Francis Hunter, that actually, I believe, did what they were supposed to with the demonstration of power that they had, that, that revelation that they had God and the miracles that they were seeing, is they actually trained and equipped the body of Christ. And the others that walked before them, I think that they were, I'm convinced that they were supposed to, but didn't have the revelation that they were to train and equip the saints in it, that it was all about them. All right? And so Jesus has drastically changed the mindset, especially in America over the last 20 years, and the body of Christ is getting involved. We're realizing that if you're a school teacher, uh, stay-at-home mom, a lawyer, uh, work in the lunch line, whatever it is, whatever you're passionate about, if you're a business owner, uh, if you're a construction worker, it doesn't matter, that everybody is called to walk in miracles. So if there's supposed to be a greater demonstration of miracles of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven through our lives, how, wh how, do, we, how do we get there? Right? If it's about believing, what do I need to believe? Now I could give you a lot of promises, and I'm sure that you guys know them but I believe that there's, there's keys hidden in the gospel that Jesus has given to us. I, I, love the, I love reading the gospels and seeing that Jesus is giving us keys to actually walk in the same thing that he walked in, but greater. Because that's what he says in John 14, right? John 14, 12, whoever believes in me will do the same things that I did, but even greater things than these because I go to the Father. 
I'm sending the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be upon every person that gives their life to, to Jesus. And so because the Holy Spirit's upon us, the Holy Spirit's in us, we've, we've been adopted into a family that, that's a miracle-working family. <laughs> you, you hear testimonies all the time here of miracles that are happening in the prayer room, in, in the mornings before, church, before Sunday. It, it's, it's every week. There's, there's always miracles that are happening outside the four walls. And so this is the place where we, we demonstrate. This is the place where we, we practice. And then we go out and we make this a normal part of our lives. That's what Jesus demonstrated in the Gospels with the disciples. He comes on the scene. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, the kingdom, because it's contained in the realm of the Holy Spirit. All right? What is it? Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom is not about eating and drinking. It's not about natural things, but it's actually about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom realm can, is contained within the realm of Holy Spirit. So when Holy Spirit came upon him, he was deputized and authorized to release the kingdom on earth. Because the planet was always supposed to look like heaven. So Adam and Eve forfeited their authority. And then Jesus got it back. But for us to walk in authority the way that a son and daughter is supposed to, we need to have demonstration of what it looks like. Well, good news, Jesus did that. <laughs> he shows us what it looks like for us to demonstrate the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so in Mark chapter 6, there's some, from Mark 6 to 8, I'm just going to give you an overview, and I'm not going to read these, these scriptures uh, you can go back and, and read them to make sure I'm, I'm telling you the truth. But there's, because the, the stories are too long, so I want to I want to simplify them for you and just give you the, the aerial view. But in Mark chapter 6 to 8, I believe there's some keys. And Joe and I both have taught on Mark 8 uh, in the last few months. And I want to come at it from just a tiny bit different angle than what him and I have before. And in Mark chapter 6, there's the feeding of the 5,000, Right? So there's a bunch of people, 5,000 men. There's probably 10 to 15,000 people that are actually there. And Jesus is like, hey, if we send them away, they're gonna, you know, we need to feed them. They've been with us. And, and the disciples are like, we don't, you know, we don't have anything. He says, you, they say, what are we going to do? He says, you feed them. He's giving them an opportunity. Because earlier in Mark chapter 6, he had just sent out the twelve. And he, anointed, he, he, he authorized them to cast out demons. And then you see in Mark 6, around verse 12, uh, I think that, that initial sending out was verses 7 through 12. And they come back and they did miracles. They healed sick people by anointing them with oil and they cast out lots of demons. So they'd operate in the miraculous, right? They saw it. They'd been authorized to do it. Jesus had demonstrated it. He had empowered them to do it. And they had done it through their own hands. And so then he gives them an opportunity to do a different type of miracle. He says, you feed them. They're like, mm, nothing. Can't do it. Too many people. Miracle's too big. Can I tell you that the realm of the miraculous, there are no little or big miracles. Same blood, same sacrifice. Paid for all of them to happen. All right? It's the same authority. Pain leaving, cancer going, blind eyes opening, crippled people living, autism going, whatever it is. Crippled people walking, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, it's, it's all the same power. 
So Jesus, in his grace and kindness and mercy, he's going to demonstrate another miracle in front of him. And so he takes the few fish and the few loaves, and he blesses it. He looks up to heaven, uh, blesses it, and then he gives it to the disciples. And they hand out. Jesus didn't multiply the food and, and back up a truck. And, and you know what I mean? He's like, here's the, here's the dump truck. We'll just bring all the people up here, form a line. And, and then we'll, we'll hand them all the food that's in this great big dump truck. No, he blessed it, broke it, read it. Blessed it, broke it, handed it to them. And as they handed it, it was handed out, it was multiplied through their hands. And so they actually, they actually saw the food multiply. He had them sit down in groups of 50 and 100. And, and they knew. They only had a little bit of bread and a few fish. right? And then they picked up, I believe it was seven seven baskets that time, full of, of fragments. I don't know about you, but in the hot sun, I don't want leftover fish, right? <laughs> we'll keep the bread. You all take the fish with you. There's no to-go containers, you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know about the fish, but you, <laughs> I will take some bread. So, they, so later on, immediately after this massive miracle, he sends them in the boat to go over to the other side. And he goes up in the mountain to pray by himself. And it appears to me uh, in the middle of the night when there's a storm that hits him, Jesus evidently sees this in the spirit. I don't know that he had binoculars and he was looking from the top of the mountain. It, it appears to me like he knew what was happening in the spirit. And he goes down to them. This is, how, this is why it's not a stretch for me to see that. Is because he goes down and he starts to walk on the water to them. But he actually intends to pass them by. He actually intends to pass them by, but when they see him, they freak out, and they think that it's a ghost. And so he tells them, don't be afraid. He gets into the boat, and when he gets into the boat, the storm ceases. And it says, in verse 52, they didn't understand, they didn't understand about the loaves because their hearts were still hardened. And that word heart is their, is their mind. Their mind didn't comprehend the miracle of the loaves. What? How does this equate to the miracle of the storm being stopped when Jesus gets in the boat? This is what I propose to you. Is that the miracle of the loaves was actually within it was contained everything they needed to know that storms can be stopped. that they didn't comprehend that there was something in their mind where it didn't actually solidify that miracles are supposed to be a part of the normal Christian life. That they were supposed to, that it wasn't just when Jesus sent them out. It wasn't just when Jesus fed people and when people were hungry, but it was actually supposed to be a part of their life. And so he's, he's working to empower them to make miracles normal. But they're their minds are still hardened. I don't know about you, but that right there, it stings me. Because I can't tell you how many times I've, I've walked up on situations after I've seen miracles. Lots of them. And thought practically concerning this situation. I can't tell you how many times I've seen miracles and then we needed provision 
financial provision. And I thought, and I looked to my bank account. Which is not where my provision comes from. I'll tell you that just recently, to get to Pakistan, I have to have, we, uh, the, the four guys, we all have to have COVID tests, negative COVID tests, 72 hours before we leave. Has to be a PCR test. Can't be an immediate results test. They have different tests for international travel. So it has to be sent off to a lab. And it has to come back within that 72-hour frame. And I have to have a copy of it. It can't just be... A phone call can't be a text message. It's got to actually be a physical copy of the paper. I've got to upload it. I've got to have copies with me. And then when I get to Pakistan, within 96 hours of leaving, I have a list of places that we're able to actually go to within Karachi, and I have to have another clean COVID test exiting the country. That got sprung on us last minute. Guess what my mind went to again? Natural things. I thought, how's this going to happen naturally? How, how are we going to get these test results back? What about, all the, what about the, all the people that are getting tested? What about I'm trusting this lab to get my test results back to me? And, you know, it's, it's all the things that are natural that you, you think. Um, so my, my, my mind went there, which tells me that there were still things, there were still nutrients from miracles that I've seen that did not do what they were meant to do within my, with my, in my own mind. Now with that, I know there are other places where I am, I have grown and they have done that for me, but it was a, where they have actually transformed my mind. <clears throat> but that showed me there was, a, there was a place that still hadn't. And so how do, I, how do I take that part of my mind and transform it? What's the key here? Because I believe that meditating on truth of the Word of God and what He says in His Word as promises to us. Mark 16, we'll lay hands on the sick and, and they'll recover, right? That's a promise for all believers. These signs will follow those who believe. I'm a, I'm a believer and so signs follow me. Oh, it's, it's part of the, of the normal Christian life. The only way they don't follow me is if I, I don't believe that they do. And, and I do. So there's promises like that. There's promises like in, in John 14, 12, that we'll do greater works than, than Jesus. I can't comprehend that entirely at the moment, but I know he said it, so I believe it. So there's promises in the word, and I'm not saying that those aren't beneficial. They are very beneficial to find out what the promises are, to rehearse them over our lives, because when we don't see something that we expect to see, we need to have an anchor that trumps our experience. And the word of God will always trump our experience if we'll allow it to. But I believe that there's a, another key that God has given us that doesn't, it's not outside of his word. It's actually a part, part of his word. I mean, it's the miracles that we see. It's the miracle that we, that we have seen, whether it be our own salvation or, or the person that's in the restaurant that gets healed <clears throat> or the little boy in Brazil that, that's no longer autistic or the blind eye that we've seen opened or the broken bones that I saw healed over there or the knees that I've seen healed back there and, and the wrists and the hands and the, all the things. I rehearsed the, I rehearsed the miracles that, that I've seen. And, and this is how I can prove it to you. So let's, that I believe this is a key that Jesus was giving the disciples. And so if you want to, you can turn in, in Mark chapter 8 where I'm going to read some of these scriptures 
And this is on the heels of another multiplication of food happening, right? There's, there's 5,000 men the first time, plus women and children. And then the second time, in Mark chapter 8, there's 4,000, where Jesus does the same type of miracle through the hands of the disciples. So they've seen, just in this little bit of time that I'm talking about, just this small section, Mark 6, 7, and 8, they've seen food multiplied twice. They've seen demons leave and sick people healed through their own hands. Right? And they've seen the storm stop just by Jesus getting in the boat. That ought to tell you something about your nature. You can walk in the middle of a storm and see it stopped. That's both in the natural and in the, in the, in the spiritual realm around us. So in Mark chapter 8, uh, Jesus gets in the boat. They get in the boat with Jesus. And it says, um, verse 13, Mark chapter 8 is where I'm going to start at. He says, and he left them, getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. So they had bread. They had forgotten to take more bread, but they had bread. Verse 15, then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Right? Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? You know, what, what, what's, he doesn't address the questions that he wanted to address about the leaven of Harrison and the leaven of Pharisees, the political realm, and the world's culture. He wants to address something that's actually far deeper for them, but they're thinking something else, and so Jesus is going to address the issue at hand. And so he says, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Is your, is your mind still hardened after you've seen the miracles? Having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear and do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? He's like, I'm going to jog your memory. They said to him, 12. Okay, I was wrong on the first one. It was 7 on the second one, and five, 12 on the first one. Verse 20, also when I broke 7 for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? How much was left over? They said 7. And he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? There's two ways that we can, we can look at the way Jesus is questioning the disciples. And you can look at this, and this situation or all throughout Scripture. I can look at Jesus as almost condescending of like, like the way that people have, have talked to us at times, or maybe your experience in, in Christian life. And like, why don't, you, why don't you get it yet? Right? It's almost like they're looking down on you, like you can't believe that you got it, even though they got it by grace. And now they can't believe that you ain't got it yet, right? Like they've done something to earn it. They're so spiritual that they, you know, you get what I'm saying? I don't want to go any further. but So we can look at it that way. But if we know the nature and character of Jesus, we know that he actually doesn't, he, that's not within his, his, his nature. He doesn't operate like that. 
And so when Jesus asks a question, he actually knows the answer to it. And he's inviting the disciples into a different place than they're currently at. He's inviting them into a different mindset than what they have. How is it that you don't understand? Why haven't you got out of the miracles what you were intended to get? Because you remember them, you saw them, and you've heard about them. So all these things are functioning properly. But he lands last on, do you, do you not remember? And so I believe that the disciples, and this is what's, this is what's happened to me personally, that the disciples actually had, it medit- ha- had not meditated on the miracles long enough to extract everything out of the miracle for themselves and what it was actually supposed to do in their lives. That meditation on the miraculous of what we've seen God do, whether in our life personally or in the lives of those around us, will transform our minds and give us a lens that we will forever see the world differently through kingdom eyes and come with an expectation into every situation that miracles will take place. That that's what a miracle is supposed to do to me. And so I realized recently that I actually had not been going back and extracting all out of situations that I was supposed to. Now testimonies are a a daily part of my life to look back on. I remember them. But remembering is not meditation. In Eastern culture, all kinds of religions meditate. And they empty their minds of things. In Christianity, we fill our minds with the things of God, the promises of God, the miracles that take place. And so remembering by itself is is not enough. Because I look back on miracles more times than I can count. But I only think about them for a moment, which is encouraging. But what I haven't done is went back into those moments as much as I need to and begin to look at, I'll give you an example, is that, so this week, even before we we ministered, Nikki and I got to minister at a, a teen challenge on Thursday with a group of ladies in an addiction program. If you don't know what Teen Challenge is, and they're there for 12 to 15 months, and as long as they stay, (laughs) they're there for 12 to 15 months. And about a day or so before that, I started to get this revelation. And I went back into the miracle that Jesus was highlighting, which is the miracle of the young boy that you saw. I knew that peace had been released, and I knew what was there was no longer there, right? He, he was autistic, and now there's proof, there's medical proof that he's not autistic. I, I call that, a, it's a genuine miracle, right? It's, it's doctor certified. It's not a hope. It's not, we just saw evidence of it, but actually the doctor said this, is, this was here. Same doctor certifies that it, it's not there anymore. He's different. <clears throat> so I knew, the, I knew the facts. And when I look back on it, I, I looked at the highlight reel which is important to do. But what I hadn't done was go into that particular situation in my memory and paid closer attention to what actually happened in the spirit realm. So what I started to look at was that when peace 
was released. When I open my mouth, miracles happen. When peace was released from, from a son, that the kingdom actually manifested for this little boy. And that in the spiritual realm, there was the kingdom actually took up residence in the mind of this little boy and caused everything that was unlike heaven to vacate the premises in that moment. Everything that was out of order came into, into order, into divine alignment. And so I began to think about how that took place and meditated on it, and I stayed there for as long as I felt like I needed to. It wasn't just a going back and saying, yeah, that was amazing. But it was actually what he was showing me is that I was extracting more of the, of the nutrients out of that miracle that was therefore transforming my mind and creating a new neuropathway of expectation and a new normal in my life where I would begin to see through the lens of when I release peace, the kingdom manifests and anything that doesn't look like heaven has to go. And so if there's not an expectation of that in our lives, Jesus has given us a key in these scriptures that he was teaching the disciples. And we see that the disciples, though they didn't get it right then, Jesus is, he is the epitome of patience, Right? He's always inviting us into more. And so if you're like, well, you're like me. You're like, I, don't, I look at things through the natural lens and I'm, you, know, you can feel guilt and shame and all that stuff. Don't, there's nothing down that road for you. Right? That's not even, it's not even worth doing that. If I feel conviction, that's a good thing. But conviction is actually drawing me into a place. It, it sees the hand of Jesus being held out and Jesus saying, this is what I paid for. Come on. You know, smiling. He's like, yeah, let's go. This, I, I realize you're there right now. You're not made to be there, and I'm going to help you. All right? That's what he was doing to me this week. He's causing me to meditate on, on the miracle. Because he was patient with the disciples. We know he'll be patient with us. It's his nature. It's the nature of love. We see it in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not condescending. Love is not, I can't believe you haven't got it yet. Love doesn't act like that. He doesn't do that. So if that was your picture of him, if you've got disappointment in your life or offense because miracles have happened for others and you expected to see them at another time. You know, in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 6, he does the same thing to John the Baptist that he'd done to the disciples. He reminds John of the miracles when, they're at, when he's asking, are you the coming one or, or should we look for another? If you look at that dialogue in, in Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, John the Baptist, clearest revelation ever given to anyone of the Messiah was given to John. And Jesus points him back. Go back and tell John what you hear and what you see. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. He's like, look, if, what, what's the blessing? What's the blessing? I may look at the blessing and think, man, I got lots of stuff. I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's the fullness of the blessing. <laughs> 
I think that that can be part of the blessing. But I think the bigger blessing is, is that I have an understanding of normal Christian life for me and that I am actually demonstrating that on a daily basis to those that are around me that need to know what love looks like. <laughs> that need to know miracles still happen today. That there's a Father in heaven who loves them and desperately, in a good way, wants them to see who he is as a good father so that they can walk in the fullness of who they're created to, to be. Blessed is he who is not offended, offended because of me. I've been offended and I've been disappointed more times than I can count. What do I do with it? Let it go. And go back to the miracles. I know that's easier said than done for some of us. But it's, it's essential because that's the only way I don't, I, don't, I don't come to expect a miracle is that I've been disappointed or that I've been offended because I've seen it for others, but I didn't see it when I wanted to. And I've been on both sides of it way too many times. But this revelation of extracting the nutrients out of every miracle that we've seen, and you're like, well, I haven't seen a miracle. I would challenge you to look in the mirror. I'd say there's people in your life that because you're in the kingdom, they'd say you're a miracle. And I begin to meditate on what God did for me. So it doesn't have to be a miracle of physical healing or a limb growing out or blind eyes seen. It could be a miracle of provision. It could be a miracle of your own salvation. That you used to be lost and broken and now you're not. You used to be addicted and now you're not. All right? I classify on, on, all those, on all those levels. Here's the key. Here's one of the keys to walk in the more. What, what are we going to, you know, Jesus is like, we're in, inviting you in to this realm of new normal in your life that he gave to the disciples where we're not just hoping things happen. We're not just hopeful. I'm all about hope, right? I have hope to have expectancy. But there's a difference between being hopeful that it will happen and I actually expect it to take place every single time. In it, in it. You know what happens? Now when pain doesn't leave, I'm like, what was that? It used to be the other way around. When a miracle happened, I was like, whoa, I was more surprised than the person that received the miracle. And now if it doesn't happen, I don't, I'm like, this doesn't compute. Miracles happen every time. That's what's supposed to go down. And so that's what, if you would stand with me as we get ready to pray. That's the normal Christian life. That's what we've been set up for. And so when Jesus gives us keys, it becomes our responsibility to use them. Right? How much I grow, how much I expect is all det determined by me personally implementing those things in my life and getting around people that are doing them so that we can encourage one another, right? We're sharing testimonies all the time. And when they share testimonies with me, I'm getting, I'm getting pumped. I'm getting excited. They tell me about the fails that they had, right? They tell me about the times they've stepped out and nothing happened or they got, you know, somebody didn't want to hear the gospel. If we tell each other everything. It's not just the highlight reel. But when we get around a healthy kingdom culture of people that are going after this thing, we get to share in the victories and we get to share in what seems to be momentary defeats. And when we have those, we encourage one another, go back to the miracle. 
This is, this is what I saw Jesus do. I don't care if it's 10 years ago. All right? But go back to the first miracle I saw in the gym ever, 2009. His first, first healing I ever saw. A guy had a, his wrist was hurt. And I, I just, I had learned from the Bible I was supposed to pray. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't even know what I said. He said, it felt like lightning came out of your finger and went into my wrist, and now it doesn't hurt. And I'm like, really? <laughs> That's amazing. We're going to do that some more. If I would have learned 12 years ago that I was supposed to meditate on that miracle taking place, that healing, I would have extracted everything I needed out of it, and it wouldn't have took me so many years to actually transform my mind to come to expect those things and not just believe that Jesus did them sometimes, but actually believe that it was a normal part of my Christian life, that this is our, our kingdom inheritance. This is who we are. And so, Father, we thank you right now that you've given us keys to walk in miracles. We thank you that you are waiting in anticipation for us to see miracles that we haven't even dreamed of yet. And for that the people on the other side of those miracles would become whole, spirit, soul, and body. That you are waiting in anticipation for people to experience your love through the miraculous everywhere, all over the planets. I almost forgot. I felt like I was supposed to ask you guys this question to ask God, to ask the Father, what's on the other side of my obedience to walk in miracles? You can do it now. You can do it every day this week. You can do it every day the rest of your life if you want to. But it's a question that I ask from time to time. I just asked recently, what's it? What's on the other side of my obedience to get on this plane? He showed me a glimpse of it. And it reminds me why, why we do this. So Father, thank you for showing us what's on the other side of our obedience for showing us what we were made for, to demonstrate your love through miracles everywhere we go, that signs and wonders follow us because we're believers, because we're sons and daughters, that I feel that grace in the room right now to come into agreement with that, to transform any area of our minds that has been hardened through unbelief and that we would actually extract from every single miracle all, the, all that we are supposed to to see through the lens that we were made to see this world through. The kingdom lens. We thank you, Father, that we get to be a part of what you're doing. Yeah, come, Holy Spirit. Come. This moment. I thank you for disappointment, people surrendering it right now. I thank you for offense, people surrendering it right now. thank you for doubts being crushed under the weight of faith fears being driven out by perfect love thank you father thank you some people say well I can't I can't do this I'm too afraid we tell you just do it afraid Just because you feel it doesn't mean you're submitted to it. It just means it's present. 
and it needs to be put in its place. And that happens by action. It won't stop us. It won't stop us. We thank you, Father. We, we embrace the full freedom of our created nature as sons and daughters to walk in the miraculous, in the supernatural. To see things in the earth and in people's bodies happen that are counter world's culture, but are exactly what kingdom culture shows us they are. Thank you for our minds being changed. Thank you for not one hard heart in this place. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Jesus. something in your body needs healed heart needs healed you just want somebody to pray with you because you're hungry for more it doesn't always have to be a seemingly bad thing that you come up for prayer for these people want to prophesy into your destiny they want to encourage you they want to pray and release all that the Father has for you so come go ahead if you need prayer all the, all the people that are in line or online in line uh, online, we bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks, Jesus. Yeah. If you don't need prayer, we just ask that you'd greet somebody before you leave that you don't know. And if you want to hang out a little bit longer in His presence, by all means, don't go anywhere. This isn't that get you out of there, but we realize some. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.